Welcome to the Questions of Faith podcast. I'm Brad Stevens here with Dr. Timothy Laredo. And the question we are asking the doctor today is, what does the Bible say about LGBTQ issues? Yeah, this is a really relevant question, uh, seeing that we're in Pride Month right now. And uh, this is uh, an issue that the church has got to address and so we're going to address it we're going to look at it from a biblical perspective what does the bible have to say about homosexuality and then we're going to uh, go through some common statements that people make uh, trying to justify how uh, people can live in uh, this uh, lifestyle and still be a christian Well, getting right into this episode here, um, uh, Dr. Tim, what does the Bible have to say about these issues? Yeah, this is something that's really important that we address um, in a podcast like this that is designed to give biblical answers to the questions that we have in this day and age that we live in. Um, You know, I recently had a conversation with uh, a pastor who was talking about how he feared that the church, the current church, is answering questions that no one is asking. Or in other words, he was talking about how he was wondering whether or not, you know, we're giving all these answers, but is this, are these, do do the people in our congregation actually have the questions that we're we're seeking to answer? You understand what I'm Mm -hmm. I'm trying to say there? And it, it, it led me to think about how, you know, if we're not careful, we can give answers to questions that people don't even have. Like, it's not something that they are dealing with or addressing in this day and age that we're living in. So he was wanting the church to be more intentional about seeing relevant topics yeah, to give answers to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And um, just having that awareness that, like, this question is one which is something that everybody is having to deal with and address and issues around that and the church can't have a ostrich head in the sand type of approach to these issues well i know we just came out of uh, we're coming out of pride month Mm -hmm. and this is a month where at least here in the united states almost every single establishment that you go into is pushing this agenda mm-hmm. and it's something that's in our face mm-hmm. um uh, and, and for me in my life it's sadly become a norm mm-hmm. i mean it's it's no longer odd yeah and i think we're, we're way way past that yeah, yeah 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 i mean now it's like you see it in public or you True. know not not even you know in the the advertisements or the things mm-hmm. like that but just in everyday life you run across people living in this lifestyle. Sure, sure. It's just, it's normal now. Yeah, yeah. And you're right. I mean, whether it's um, socially, uh, politically, uh, even, you know, in religious circles, um, uh, legally, you know, it, 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 these issues uh, have um, really impacted our culture in significant ways. And, um, so you're saying then we shouldn't be surprised when these issues are now starting to affect sure, the church. Or, or when these questions arise, mm-hmm. we shouldn't mm-hmm. run from them or um, you know, say, well, it's controversial, so let's just ignore it, right? Or, or not seek to answer these type of questions. To make the uh, this issue even more complicated is the fact that there's so much 
uh, emotional uh, charge that's associated with it. Uh, it's dividing so many people. And one of the things that I think that the church has to really recognize is that um, the church should not be against people, but it should be against sin. And when it comes to LGBTQ issues, we have to navigate through the fact that we're dealing with a very personal issue and, and people. We're dealing with people. And so, on the one hand, I've seen those within the church forget that on the other side of our arguments and the other side of our debates and our strongly held beliefs are people. And so, it's become so, um, you know, the language around these issues have become so charged and so um, really uh, divisive that it, 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 if the church is not careful, that they'll, they'll miss ministering to people and the, you know, in the sake of holding a position. And I'm not saying we shouldn't hold a position, but we also can't forget that there's people that we're interacting with and dealing with. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm, it um, does. I'm trying to, to say there? And, and, and then on the other hand, I've seen those within the church allow personal feelings to control their beliefs instead of allowing their beliefs to be held by scripture. So, so, well, I feel this and I, 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 uh, you know, I have this feeling, you know, or there's emotion attached to it and then fail to hold to what the scripture says and allow their emotions and feelings to guide them. And so those two uh, errors on both sides of that ditch that we want to hold to truth and hold to what the scripture says. But at the same time, we don't want to do that with a calloused, you know, uh, unconcerned, um, you know, posture that doesn't recognize and that fails to recognize that there are people um, that are on the other side of this, uh, these issues. And so, in this episode, I think it's really important that we walk through Scripture and uh, deal with what does the Bible say uh, about these issues, and then uh, talk about some practical frameworks that we can uh, work through in addressing this uh, topic as Christians. So, God isn't silent about uh, human sexuality. And the Bible has many passages which address uh, the purposes and functions of sexuality and what that means as far as as uh, humanity and within uh, marriage and all of these different states. However, like anything that has been designed by God, uh, Satan has sought to twist it and to warp um these things away from their original design, and and sex is no different than that, right? I mean, obviously, uh, as one who desires to pervert and twist, Satan has done that with uh, with sex, right, and with uh, with all of these issues. So, so the first place we have to go if we're going to have a scriptural foundation for understanding uh, how God has designed. Uh, the purpose of sexual orientation and relationship. I mean, we got to go to Genesis, right? We got to go to the beginning of creation in a 
perfect state in which God created humanity free from sin, right, uh, is Genesis 1 and 2. And the narrative of creation of humanity clearly shows that God designed for only two sects, right, male and female, and that when God originally created Adam in the garden, that's the only thing that he said was not good was that man was alone, right? Mm-hmm. And so he creates uh, a woman and does that uh, so that it could be good, you know, and so that that would be complete. And so God's design was and is only to sex, right? And that is biologically, right? Um, y- you either have XY, all right, or, or, or you don't. You have X, uh, two X chromosomes. And that is biologically and by design by God, the two options for um, sexual orientation. And so if God's design for human sexuality was to include something other than one man and one woman, then God would have certainly designed it this way in a perfect garden state, right? So if, if God's purpose and design for human sexuality would have been something other than what he created, he could have created it that way, right? Mm-hmm. If, if his uh, design was uh, that he wanted it to be two males or two females or whatever, or more than two sexes, right? Then he would have made it that way in the garden, right? Well, he puts his stamp of approval on it after every day, and this is good. Right. And, you know, this is his plan is what you're essentially saying. Yeah, yeah. His his original design um, is clearly seen that it was one male and one female. And so this this first introduction that we have to the human condition, the human state, is we find a divine design that was a union between one man and one woman. And so, you know, frankly, one of the most uh, harmful uh, things about the LGBTQ plus philosophy to sexuality is the plus aspect, right? It's this... It's never ending. Exactly. Always evolving. Right. Gender fluidity that it's it's, it's an expansion of... Of God's original design that will continue to expand. Like there's no end to man's ability to deviate from God's original design, right? And so this idea that um, that God designed it in one way, and that man, obviously through the influence of Satan, has has chosen to deviate from that. There is no end to that deviation because that original design has been broken and will continue to be broken um, unless we go back to that original design. And and Jesus, even Jesus himself, affirmed this uh, divine design of one man and one woman relationship uh, by stating, uh, he said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And in the context here, he's talking about divorce, and he's talking about relationship. But he's he's affirming God's original design was one male, one female, 
and that was the design for sexual relationship was that it be uh, two genders uh, distinct and that that was how God designed it. And so having this understanding that you know this was God's original design within a sinless state should cause us as Christians and followers of Christ to recognize that we should hold to God's original design. And he uh, created that for uh, procreation, right? And for uh, for uh, the marriage union. And these other deviations from that original design uh, break all the uh, scriptural bounds for what God has designed sexual relationships to be. And so... Uh, we really got to have that foundation in order to uh, to recognize the way in which God designed uh, sex and its relationships between one man and one woman. So we need to go back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, go back to Genesis, see what God originally intended. We also have in the New Testament an affirmation from Jesus mm-hmm. that um, it was originally one man, one woman. Sure, yeah. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, and um, if we're going to follow the Bible, right, uh, then we need to recognize the pattern that God uh, set forth for uh, humanity and creation. Now, if, if you don't want to believe the Bible and you don't want to follow the Bible, then you can believe whatever you want to believe, right? But, but if your basis is going to be the Bible, right, we have to take it for what it is. Exactly, right. And so another biblical example that addresses uh, LGBTQ issues and homosexuality is this uh, story in Genesis 19 uh, about two cities, um, and famously Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And you see this in the story that the wickedness of Sodom is revealed through their attempted homosexual acts uh, and actually assaults of the angels, right, that have come to take Lot and his family out of Sodom. And if the judgment of God was upon these people for their gross, you know, homosexual activity, this is a clear indication that these types of sins are not consistent with God's character, right? God is pouring out judgment upon these people um, because of their uh, their homosexual uh, activity and because of their uh, their their continual depravity of doing that which is against. God and against and, and what the Bible calls an abomination, uh, and, and Scripture literally uh, calls the sin of homosexuality an abomination. Right, this this um, gross evil uh, before God, and so um, in 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 the New Testament. So a lot of times when people talk about you know these issues, they're they talk about well, you know. Bible's talking about homosexuality, it only does it in the Old Testament and doesn't really deal with it in the New Testament. And that's just frankly not true because Jesus references Sodom and he he does so in an effort to warn them of the wrath of God associated with human wickedness. And he does it in like four or five different places. He references Sodom. And does so in warning 
uh, other places, other cities, other people about their wickedness and saying that the wrath of God, just as the wrath of God was poured out on Sodom for their wickedness, God's going to uh, pour out his wrath upon um, uh, you if you don't repent of your sin. And so uh, this idea of the uh, the acts of Sodom and those homosexual acts they were not seen as being okay or being something that well this is this is this is normal this is this is okay this should be accepted um they are seen as uh, a, a, an abomination before god and god's wrath was poured out um because of those actions not only that but the short epistle of jude okay talks about sodom and its homosexuality and compares those actions to the angels rebelling with Satan against God. Wow. Yeah, so Jude verse 6 says, And the angels who did not stay with their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Wow. Yeah, so Jude is, is, is linking the rebellious action of the uh, angels who followed Satan and rebelled against God. He's linking that to the rebellious actions of Sodom and Gomorrah and their sexual immorality and pursuing of homosexual desires. And God is saying, just like God has judged these angels for their going beyond uh, what God has instructed in God's authority and pursuing wickedness and evil and pride and following Satan in pride. Just as God judged them, God is going to judge all those who uh, are uh, following after these immoral sexuality and unnatural desires of homosexuality. Um, God's judgment and wrath is, is going to be upon them just as it was Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, I've heard it taught before that um, uh, like the, the the act of homosexuality is the greatest rebellion that mm-hmm. you can do towards God because you are you are saying in essence that you did not create me right. Mm. I do not approve of what you have chosen for me and my life, and I am going completely against it. I'm turning my back on you created wrong. Yeah, what you created was wrong. Yeah, it's a um, it's a total uh, denial of God's proper design and the way that God has designed you, uh, saying, I know how to design myself better, better. and out of mm-hmm. pride, um, uh, following after lustful desires that are unnatural and away from uh, God's design for you. And yeah, it is the uh, epitome of pride, and that's what Jude is linking together the pride of the sat- of Satan and the these uh, angelic beings who rebelled against God with the actions of Sodom and Gomorrah and their homosexual acts of pride against God and thinking that uh, 
we can do those actions and not experience the wrath of God is the height of pride, isn't it? And so, uh, the, these, the, the scripture is not vague or, um, you know, uh, you know, it has any ambiguity regarding the, the fact that homosexuality is a sin and it will bring upon those who live in that lifestyle uh, the wrath of God. So another important text uh, in Scripture that is one we need to consider when we're looking at what does the Bible have to say about LGBTQ matters is Romans chapter 1. And this opening chapter to the Romans is one which is uh, significant in dealing with homosexuality and uh, the the root causes of it. So the context of Romans chapter 1 is Paul is contrasting the righteousness of God that comes through saving faith and the wrath of God that is revealed upon unrighteousness. Okay? So he's contrasting the the righteousness that comes uh, from God as we put our faith in him versus the wrath of God that comes upon uh, those who um, are uh, live in unrighteousness and who s- seek to, through their own means, uh, f- follow after uh, the flesh. So Romans uh, verse 18, I- I'm going to read just a little bit here, but, s- but stay with me. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Okay, so he's, he's laying out the fact that God's wrath is will be poured out upon ungodliness and unrighteousness. Those who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because uh, that which is known about God is evident to them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they were without excuse. Okay, so he's talking about that God has has through creation and through our, our consciousness and through uh, the fact that we uh, know inherently right and wrong that God has revealed that uh, Himself through these things, and it's been clearly seen. It's evident. Then he goes on says, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their thinking and foolish and their hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanging the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man. So in other words, idol worship. They, they took the invisible uh, manifestation that God has revealed th- through this world, this world and through uh, our consciousness of knowing right and wrong, an invisible God has been revealed in material ways. But we've taken that, and instead of worshiping God, we choose to 
worship idols. And the results of that, Paul says to the Romans, he says, therefore God gave them over to their lust of their hearts, to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. And for this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions, for their, woman, for their women exchanged the natural function for, for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their lusts toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do the things which are not proper. Okay, I know that was a lot of scripture. That was a lot, right? Uh, I'm going to try to to break that down really easily for us. So, what Paul does here is he outlines three exchanges. They they first exchanged God for idol worship. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so the the invisible the God invisible. that that is mm-hmm. known that that can be known through creation and that is apparent to all who uh, are willing to to see, they exchange that uh, exchange God for idol worship. Then the creator for creation, exactly. Yeah, and then the, the second exchange is they make an exchange truth for a lie. They exchange truth for a lie. And so the, that which is uh, now truth becomes a lie, lie becomes a truth. They, they flip all of these things, they exchange them. And then the third exchange is natural relationships for homosexual passions. And Paul is making a direct link between same sex relationships and hum- humanity's sinful rebellion against God. He's 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 laying out this this link that that just as those who exchange God for idol worship, then it, it, there's this link between that and truth and lies, and then there's a link between that and natural relationships and homosexual relationships. It seems like a progression, exactly. Because kind of because by the end of it, it says they give their mind. God gave their mind over. Yes. To yes. These terrible things. Yeah. And so, just as idolatry and lies, they twist God's original design. Okay, God's original design was not for idolatry, for man to worship um, creation. Th- it was right. for man to worship the Creator. Exactly, and you know, just as God's design was not for to live in truth. Yeah, yeah, not, to not live in lies. Exactly. So, the homosexual practice is a perversion of God's original design. Mm. And the point here that Paul is making is that homosexual behavior is sin because the act itself is sin, and as a truth-suppressing exchange, it's contrary to God's design. So, in other words, homosexual acts can never be right because they are, by very definition, a an exchange of God's original design. Does it make sense? It does. The, yeah. the argument that Paul is laying out there, and so uh, maybe here's an illustration that 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 can help uh, make this point clear. So there is a biblical way and an unbiblical way for people of the opposite sex to have a relationship, right? Right. Okay. So yes. So sex outside of marriage. 
is called fornication, right? It's mm-hmm. not a word we use a lot, um, fornication, but it's a sin, right? Sex outside yes. of marriage, biblically, is a sin, okay? But there's also a right way to have um, sexual relationships between a man and a woman, right? It's through marriage, right? And so, there's a right way to have that um that 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 come forth but there's no biblical path for homosexuality that can be found in scripture in other words what i'm trying to say is there's no way in which the act of homosexuality works can't it works scripture. within scripture mm-hmm. whereas while there is a between a man and a woman while the act can happen but that means it's still still sin right it's there wrong. can be a biblical mm-hmm. way for that a to happen way. and no. an unbiblical way for that to happen for homosexuality there is no biblical way exactly okay. exactly and so paul points out that the results of this kind of willful exchanging of god's design God's truth. Yes, and exchanging uh, worship of God for idols, truth for lies, um, the uh, natural relationships for homosexual relationship is that God gives them over to a depraved mind. And the consequences is that um, you, those who who follow this this these uh, this action of uh, serving. Uh, idols, which in this case would be themselves. Mm-hmm. They've made themselves the idol mm. instead of God. Yeah, that's good. yeah they've made mm-hmm. themselves the idol. And then, um, you know, they, they've told themselves this lie that this is okay, that I was born this way, that I, um, you know, that everybody else is doing it, so it's okay. They've told these these lies, and so the results is that they get in exchange a mind that produces unrighteous thoughts, attitudes, and actions that are sinful. And it just, it's this, it's this total perversion of God's design, which leads to the corruption of every part of their thinking, of their actions, of their uh, attitudes and desires, um, because they have in rebellion chosen to uh, make themselves an idol and to believe lies and to follow after uh, you know unnatural, ungodly, lustful desires. One more New Testament verse I want to look at real quick here, if we can, is uh, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Paul uh, says this, it says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Okay, uh, we have a podcast. Uh, you can go back and look about uh, the kingdom of God if you want to uh, understand what that is. But he's saying that those who are unrighteous are not going to be a part of God's rule, God's rulership. Uh, and he says, do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul, you know, makes two things very, very clear. Um, one, homosexuality is a sin, and those who practice homosexuality, they in doing so. And living that lifestyle, they remove themselves from God's kingdom, from being a part of uh, God's rulership, living under his rulership. By definition, 
those who live in this lifestyle are not living under God's rulership because God's kingship, God's rulership, his design is that of one man, one woman, right? Is of that, uh, that's his design. And so to live outside of that design is to live outside the kingdom, is to live outside of God's rulership. You've made yourself the king or queen, right? In that Which moment. in turn means you shall not inherit yeah, 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 exactly. And, and Paul, the very next verse, he says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. You were outside of that kingdom. Exactly. And now you've been you've been made a part of this kingdom mm-hmm. uh, through the sanctification, justification that is in Christ. And Paul is making this clear distinction between those who are outside and those who are inside. And those who are on the outside are those who are practicing homosexuality, right? Um, and 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 so Paul is not mincing words, but just reminding the Corinthian church that these former practices had barred them from God's kingdom, but now through uh, being sanctified in Christ and being justified in Him, they no longer live in these sins and are to no longer uh, live in these uh, lifestyles. And they no longer, you can't be a part of the kingdom and have this. Sure. You can't ride both paths at the same time. Exactly, right. And man, we're living in a day and age where people are are trying to do that. and Well, where churches are exactly. saying you can. Yeah, come and, as you are, stay mm-hmm. as you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we would definitely say come as you are, right? Um, but we would, we would, as Paul would, we're calling them out of darkness and into uh, the light of the Word of God and uh, the light of what God has said. And so, uh, we, we would say, yes, come as you are. Come, uh, all the sex more, all the idolaters, all the adulterers, but all you're not going to be able to stay the same. Yes, exactly. There needs to be a uh, you know a sanctifying, a justifying that happens through salvation that results in that's who I was and that's not who I am anymore. And if if that hasn't taken place, well, then you haven't been sanctified. You haven't been justified. Um, And so, yeah, Paul really lays out this distinction between two different um, paths towards uh, those who want to build their own kingdom, want to live in their own kingdom, practice these things, and those who are going to be a part of the kingdom of God. uh, and, And those who practice the act of homosexuality are clearly those who are not a part of the kingdom of God. scripture does not mince words it's Mm -hmm. very very clear old Mm -hmm. testament and new testament Mm -hmm. so moving forward we have a strong basis of what the bible has to say what god has to say sure about these things yeah absolutely and again i just want to reiterate um for those who uh are christian who believe that the bible is the inspired word of god what the bible says has to matter right not my opinion not my 
you know, what I what I wanted to say or whatever. Like, if if I am going to be a follower of Christ, if I'm going to be uh, a Christian, I have to follow what the Word of God says. If you don't want to do that, that's fine, right? But you you can't have it both ways. You can't say, I'm going to follow what the Bible says and then say, uh, but I'm going to do whatever I want to do and believe whatever I want to believe. Uh, and so I want to quickly address some common statements that people I've heard make to justify how a Christian can practice LGBTQ plus lifestyle and still be a Christian. And so I, I want to address a couple of those. So I've heard some proponents of, you know, LGBTQ plus lifestyle say things like, well, Jesus never says anything about homosexuality being wrong. He never comes out and condemns homosexuality. And so while there may be some Old Testament uh, statements and you know maybe maybe Paul makes a few Jesus himself does not condemn homosexuality doesn't say it's wrong and to that this is a partial truth <laughs> it is a partial mm, truth the most dangerous of lies <laughs> yes exactly so while Jesus doesn't speak directly about homosexuality like I mentioned earlier he does affirm the divine design in Genesis. He does that several times, that the divine relationship being that God has designed is male and female relationship, right? He does affirm that. But even if you were to grant this, the point that Jesus doesn't say anything against um, homosexuality uh, specifically, but even if you grant this point that Jesus didn't say anything specifically against homosexuality, um, Jesus also doesn't say anything against bestiality, right? Having mm -hmm. relationships with a beast mm -hmm. or with an animal, right? He doesn't say that, or he doesn't say anything about pedophilia, right? Mm -hmm. He doesn't. He doesn't condemn pedophilia. So you so, just open that door, right? So to... does so. So with that line of argument, does that mean that Jesus is okay with pedophilia? Right? Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're arguing? No, of course not. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, just because Jesus doesn't specifically condone something doesn't mean that it's okay, mm -hmm. uh, and especially when the uh, breath of Scripture does condone it and does address it as something that is an act of yeah, sin. Yeah, if you're coming from that perspective, I think you're coming from a perspective of where you're picking and choosing mm -hmm. your truth from the Bible. Sure. So, you're, that person already is at a failing point for, mm -hmm. for, for us. We believe the canon of Scripture, sure. the whole thing from front right. to back. But that person's already at a loss because yeah. they're just choosing what they want to hear. They want to throw out the Old Testament and what Paul says, mm -hmm. and 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 only pick what Jesus mm -hmm. has said. And we're gonna say, well, that's you, you got to take mm -hmm. everything. Right? But for the Christian member, I think in a church, we need to be believing everything in the Bible because sure. if you don't believe everything, then you don't believe anything. Mm -hmm. In yeah. my opinion, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And and, and this uh, this this idea of well, Jesus didn't say anything about it, so it's okay. It's it's an argument from silence, and it's well, just I have a hard time a, with that because I believe that Jesus is God and part of the Godhead, which God did have a lot to say about it. Exactly. So in a roundabout way, I know it's a stretch. Jesus does. It's have not a, a lot stretch. To <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, mm -hmm. um, God incarnated, He has said a lot about mm -hmm. it, um, and um, He said a lot about it in Genesis one when he created 
mm-hmm. right? Let uh, us make man. Exactly. And so um, while in his earthly ministry, Jesus doesn't specifically address homosexuality, that that does not in any way condone uh, its action or change the clear uh, you know, breath of scripture which deals with homosexuality as a sin and as something that is uh, contrary to God's design. And um, so, yeah, that 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 argument is one which is um, pretty pretty weak. Another argument that um, LGBTQ plus uh, people try to make for how Christians can. Uh, live in that lifestyle and and still be followers of Christ is they'll say something like, you know, we should set aside the scriptural prohibitions against homosexual behavior because we are comparing two different cultures and their approaches to sex. In our day, we're talking about, you know, committed, consensual, lifelong partners and this is something that the biblical authors didn't know anything about. And so, you know, this is something that is different in nature because what we're talking about in our present society is homosexual behavior that is between um, people who are loving each other and are committed to each other and are uh, consensual. And uh, so it's okay. Right. Okay. Well, so obviously there's a couple of big problems with this this philosophy. One on its face is if you're going to reject something in the Bible because it comes from a different culture, then you have to reject all of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Right. So those who try to make this argument, well, the Bible is speaking to a different culture and it's a different... That means it's day. not speaking to me now. Right. Or that it's, in in some ways, you're saying that it's invalid for all of history except for the culture that it was written in, in its immediate context, right? So, then you have to reject all of the Bible. And um, that that's obviously not a Christian perspective (laughs) philosophy at all. And then two, the fact of the matter is whether or not homosexual sex is done in a committed, consensual relationship, a loving relationship or not, has nothing to do with the act itself being an abomination to God. Hmm. So whether it's done in a loving relationship or not doesn't change the fact that it's sin. Just as I would say that that the act of uh, sex outside of marriage, fornication, if it's done in a loving way, doesn't make it right. <laughs> and so, to justify the the act of homosexuality, either on cultural differences or that you know, well, it's it's a loving relationship, and love is good. God is love, right? Um, yeah, he is, but he's loving enough to not let us live in sin, right? And that's why he sent Jesus to die for our sins. And now, so, while God created love, the devil can pervert. Oh, love. yes. Yeah. So love can be bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Am I correct? Yeah, in that yeah. Statement. Well, that's what First John says: you "Love not ju- the world, neither the well, things that yeah, are in the world." Exactly. <laughs> Right. So, love in and of itself is kind Does, of a moral thing. Yeah, it it's a thing that's been created by God that can be used for good, but then mm. also used for bad. Sure. So, we can't say that love in, in its entirety yeah. is nothing but good. Yes, in every form. Um, you know, just as, you know, use the example earlier, um, I love my dog. 
right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but to have sexual relationship with my dog is exactly. a sin, right? Yeah. And and so that type of uh, that type of mindset that says, well, as long as it's love, it's okay, is a completely uh, unbiblical and uh, distortion of what love is. So another example of an attempt to justify uh, homosexual lifestyle uh, and uh, gender fluidity, things outside of Scripture, is to say, well, what about gluttony and gossip? Aren't these sins too? Why do Christians accept those sins and not homosexuality? That's the, the, the mm-hmm. line of thinking, the logic. Yeah. Uh, that they would they would use, and so uh, to that, a, a couple points I think that are really critical is one: what they're trying to do is to deflect and make the Christian look like a hypocrite in order to undermine the value of the Christian's claim. Right? So, so that we're not going to deal with the the biblical issue, but we're going to say, well. There's these other things that are accept that people are accepting, and so they should accept this too. Okay, of course, gluttony and and gossip are sins, and that is a valid point that that they are. And the fact that honestly, a lot of Christians don't address gluttony or gossip is is true, right? Mm-hmm. That there's some Agreed. truth in that. Um, but whether or not Christians, quote-unquote, accept these sins doesn't make them okay, right? Mm-hmm. And so while some Christians may not uh, address these sins and deal with these sins as sins, doesn't mean the Bible doesn't. Which and is our basis of truth that ex- we always should go back to. Exactly, exactly. And it's no justification to make another sin okay, um, and to 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 say, well, the the church isn't dealing with this sin or that sin, so then then my sin is okay, right? Um, it, it's an error in in logic. They're all wrong, and the point that the, they're trying to make in that is to minimize the quote unquote sinfulness of homosexuality, right? Uh, well, it's just like gluttony or gossip. Um, and, and, and um, you know, those sins are not a perversion of God's design. They are an indulgence beyond what uh, should be uh, partaken in. But homosexuality at its very core, as we've talked about, is a fundamental uh, warping of God's design. And so it's not just an excess, but it's a total, um, complete uh, deviation from what God has designed. And so, uh, you know, yes, the church should preach against gluttony and gossip, right? But it should also preach against homosexuality and uh, the sins uh, and, and fornication and all of all of the sins uh, the church should should preach against and should uh, warn of their their destructive nature to uh, both the body and the soul. Another uh, point that 
those who want to justify a homosexual lifestyle uh, try to put forth is say something like, it's okay to have homosexual attraction. As long as you don't act on that attraction, there's nothing wrong. So, um, while I may have an attraction, as long as I don't act on that attraction, I haven't, uh, haven't sinned. And a couple of things I want to uh, address in that, uh, that point is, first, this mindset seeks to justify sinful attraction as though it's harmless. It, 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 it tries to make attraction something that is inherently innocent. I'm attracted to something that is sinful, and, you know, that attraction is not that big of a deal. And I want to say, whoa, wait, 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 time out here. It's the worm on the hook. Yeah, you, you, don't, you don't see anything wrong with, with the fact that you are attracted and are being uh, pulled in that direction. You don't see that as harmless. Um, uh, you know, every man, James says, is drawn away of his own lust and, and is enticed by that. So, so the fact that, that uh, I have within me something that is drawn to that should cause alarm, right? Now, I know within a sin nature, there is something within us that is drawn to sin. But I should never be okay with the fact that I am drawn towards sin, right? For the person who has uh, been saved, the person who has uh, Christ living within them, should be appalled by the fact that when they have that drawing of sin. Do you you understand that mm-hmm. that, that I'm yes. parsing there? Like, yes, I deal with you know attractions to sin. Right, everyone does, but I don't want to be okay with that. Mm. I don't want to say yes, that attraction is okay. It's okay that I'm attracted to that. No, I I, I want to repel against that. I want to I, I I want to run from that attraction because I want to be attracted to the things of God. I want um, the the things of God to be that which is attracting to me, and. Um, you know, this idea that, well, as, as long as I don't act on the sin, it's okay. And I'm saying, I want to say, you're missing the point entirely. Uh, just because, like when Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about, he deals specifically with sexual attraction. And he says, you know, everyone who looks upon a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery in their heart, mm-hmm. right? He's dealing with the root issue of, your heart is wanting that which is sinful. You're you're attracted to that which is ungodly, so which would, is a sin, right? So would you say that the attraction to someone in a homosexual way is sin? Mm-hmm. If, if, according to what Jesus just said about the attraction to a woman right. committing adultery he, in his heart? Yeah, he's already committed the adultery in his heart. Mm-hmm. Would the same be said of a yes. homosexual attraction? Yes, it mm. would. Is those the, are from Jesus' mouth. Right, yeah. yeah. Jesus' words. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the attraction, you've already committed homosexuality in your heart. Mm. Right? And that's what Jesus is trying to reveal is that the heart of man apart from him, is attracted to all sorts of sinful things. And what Christ is seeking to do is to uh, a renovation of the heart, 
a changing of the heart. And so many times when we you're you know dealing with issues around sexual sin or any type of sin, a lot of times people deal with the surface stuff or the fruit, you know, instead of dealing with the root. The root of the problem is a heart that desires uh, sinful things. And so, a renovation of the heart is what Jesus is trying to deal with. And the the fact that those attractions are there, um, I, I we have to uh, have uh, recognize this that the attraction is a problem. It's a part of my fallenness, and I need uh, the Spirit of God to to help me in my attractions because my attractions are not godly. Well, someone who is addicted to a vice, you know, mm-hmm. such as drugs, cigarettes, alcohol, they don't if they if they're wanting to be better, mm-hmm. they don't hang around places that mm-hmm. those things are readily available. Sure, because that attraction is what will lead them. Sure. Into there, they they run away. Sure. They should at least. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we yeah. should do the same with this as well. Yeah, absolutely. And to, you know, to the person who, you know, has the attraction of homosexuality, uh, I I want to encourage them not to to say, well, this attraction is something that is okay, just as I would not say that it's okay for me to have an attraction to another woman, right? It's not okay that I have that. And, you know, if I, if I begin to feel that, I have to, I need to repent of that. I need, I need to allow the Be Spirit of God. intentional. Yeah, I need Don't to let lo- that sit fester. Exactly. Um, and, um, yeah, and so to, and, and, some may say, well, that's that's such a hard struggle. And I would affirm that. I would say, yes, it is. Um, and it's it's not something that's easy. But as you 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 allow your attractions to be molded and shaped by God and his word, those attractions for those fleshly, carnal, sinful things will begin to fade. Um, but to to say to resign ourselves that the attraction is okay, I think is a fundamental um, error when dealing with uh, with this type of issue. So, last point I want to make uh, with um, these comments that I've heard people make trying to justify homosexual lifestyle for a Christian. So, I'll say something like. Well, the church is supposed to be a loving and accepting place. True. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, um, you know, if you're uh, living in a homosexual lifestyle, you are welcome mm-hmm. at church. And mm-hmm. we have had many, many people that have come that are in that lifestyle. Right? Our pastor says our, our back doors are so wide that an 18-wheeler could slide in <laughs> sideways. <laughs> right. Anyone can come in. Yeah. And so, yes. Uh, but at the same time, we uh, hold to Scripture and what mm-hmm. Scripture says, and it would actually be unloving for us to uh, to preach and teach things that are outside of Scripture, right? Because... Um, that if, is so good, because I think it, you, if you come from that perspective that the church should be loving... That means you should love me enough to let me be who I am 
Whereas let me do whatever I want. Let me do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. Whereas no, we want you to get into heaven. Yes, we want you to get into this kingdom. We love you enough because the alternative is terrible. Mm -hmm. And I love you so much. I'm going to tell you you're doing wrong. Right. Because I want to. I want you to do right. I want you to make it into this kingdom. Because at the end of the day, eternity is a really long time. Yeah. And I love you enough to point out that you've exchanged. Uh, God for an idol yourself, and Truth you've exchanged you've exchanged these things that are that are that are wrong and that are sinful. And I love you enough to offer you something else. I I want you to exchange uh, what you've been doing for the truth. I want you to exchange your idols for God. I want you to exchange your your homosexual lifestyle for one uh, relationship that is uh, that is pleasing to God, and so for the people coming into the church that are in this lifestyle, yeah. I can see that being a hard thing to swallow and understand. Sure, but for our church members, it shouldn't be. Yeah, it it is a hard thing to understand, and that's partly what what Paul talks about in Romans, talking about that those who live in homosexual lifestyle they have a depraved mind. Mm-hmm. Right? They've exchanged so much. Uh, they they have, their lies are now their truth. Exactly. That the carnal mind. Uh, these a lot of these statements that we've been making and saying. It doesn't make sense, and it's not going to make sense. But uh, the the spirit of God would open their eyes and, and enlighten their understanding to be able to see. Oh, I have exchanged God for idols. I have exchanged truth for a lie. And um, when when that happens, recognize. Oh, the church did love me well by telling me the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, you know, uh, we don't always want to hear the truth, right, when we're doing wrong. Um, but whether or not we want to hear the truth, it is the truth that will set us free. And uh, when it comes to these issues, um, the, the the loving thing to do is to teach the truth and to preach the truth and to live the truth and to accept, um, you know, anybody comes into the church and to love them well enough, uh, whether it's homosexuality or some other sin, um, not to, uh, to, you know, sugarcoat it or to try to, uh, you know, placate to the whims of a society, but to speak and teach uh, what the Bible says and to uh, to love well in that way. Well, I, I suppose the final question I have for you for today is, if it's so plainly put in Scripture, mm-hmm. um, how, how, how God feels, mm-hmm. how He tells us He feels about this subject, about this lifestyle— why is there so much controversy within the church as as a whole in America? Mm. Um, there are there are large sections that are very very strong, adamantly mm. opposed to this, but there are many denominations and churches that have opened their doors mm-hmm. to let these people come in to to become pastors, mm-hmm. even, right. and they they stand very strongly. But it almost seems like they just completely reject these gaping truths that mm-hmm. are in Scripture. So why is it that there's so much controversy? Um, uh, the big reason is that, frankly, we live in a culture that is um, divided and on so many different areas, and the church has tried to play both sides a lot. The the a lot of the church has the true church won't 
but uh, a lot of the nominal church has has tried to um, has tried to um, fit culture, present culture, into scripture instead of allowing scripture to speak to culture. And um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's not going to end well. It's not going to end well. Um, those uh, denominations and um, groups that are accepting of sin are under the wrath of God. That's what Romans 1 says. They're under the wrath of God. And uh, it's not a place I want to be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's serious. And so I think on one hand, people are afraid to offend people. You know, like uh, some churches are afraid to offend people. Um and so I but just want the truth to, is offensive. Yeah, the truth <laughs> is offensive. And if I'm going to, uh, if, if I'm going to have somebody not like what I'm doing, I'd rather it be people and not God. Mm, that's right? good. But I think we live in a seeker sensitive society and a society in which uh, we don't want to, um, you know, offend anybody or hurt anybody's feelings, and that's not the point of what we're trying to do. We're not trying. We're not out here to, you know, oh, let's see how we can hurt people's feelings. Let's see how we can offend people. No, we're out here trying to speak the truth uh, of what Scripture has said. And yes, there's times where that truth is offensive and is. Uh, you know, something that people don't like. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, the church cannot be uh, an institution which uh, placates to the whims of culture or, um, you know, what people are uh, wanting to do in sinful acts, but has to stand upon the truth of the Word of God. And so, yeah, um, we as individuals have a role to play in that, to speak the truth and to live the truth. And um, even with, you know, I, I mean, I have friends that are living in this lifestyle, and I have even family members that are living in this st- lifestyle. And to love well um, it requires that you speak truth uh, as part of that, you know. I mean, I, one of my family members <laughs> wanted me to baptize them who was living in this lifestyle. And love you. Um, but let me uh, let's have a conversation about this because um, you know we can't we can't be uh, what baptism is is a sign of new life and a sign of salvation a sign of regeneration and uh, scripture is very clear that what you're doing is not uh, congruent with uh, a lifestyle that's living in Christ and so yeah it's tough um, because there's relationships and, and friendships and but. At the end of the day, we have to uh, side on the Word of God and what God has said. And um, I think we live in a culture that is afraid to do that. But we can't be afraid to do it. We have to stand on truth. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Questions of Faith podcast. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing and writing a review on your preferred audio platform. That would really help us out. This show was produced by Brad Stevens, theme music by the band Liquify. Questions of Faith is a ministry of Faith Tabernacle Assembly of God located in Denton, Texas. The goal of this podcast is to equip the modern day Christian with answers to timeless questions. If you would like to submit a question that may be highlighted on the show, you may do so by emailing us. That email address is questions at ftdenton.com. 
You may also submit a question by messaging our Facebook page, Questions of Faith Podcast. And until next Monday, God bless.